the technology stuff that's going on, um, I will take the blame for that uh, in a roundabout way. Because as our students can vouch, all week at camp, we had issues with sound and, and microphones going in and out and projectors flashing and all kinds of things that Satan was trying to do to bring down what's happening. So here's the deal. I've got just enough voice left from a week at camp that if, if this is what it's going to take, this is what it's going to take. We're, we're, we're going to overcome what Satan's trying to do. All right? The other thing is students that are here, listen, I wanted you to hear, you heard what song our awesome worship team did, right? So that wasn't me, that was all God. Mr. Doug and Miss Joanne emailed me earlier in the week with, a, with some songs for, for worship for this week, a huge blessing to me as I was up, we had lights out at 11.30 at camp, so the sermon was being written after that. To the point where I was like, you know, a long R. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody that went to school and college, anything else, the long R where your finger got stuck there and then you wake up and you got a paragraph of R's. Okay? So I was working on it. I tweaked it here uh, yesterday a little bit. But Doug and Joanne threw out the songs that came and uh, they had no idea. But when I, when I looked it up and saw Waymaker was one of them, the smile on my face because our students at camp had requested that song and the, the worship team wasn't taking requests but our camp leader uh, played that song by guitar for us one night but you guys, thank you thank you for, for helping with putting the music together and Waymaker guys how about it youth, you see it? you see God working right? test, 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 test hey, it's coming I like camping, so it kind of sounds like a campfire to me a little bit. <laughs> Satan's not going to win. He's not going to win. We're going to just roll. That cool, Josh? You can tweak it, or will it help if we turn? Is it just the whole system, or a microphone might help? T- <laughs> this is just like camp. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing, Josh. Sorry. <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> Josh was at camp. He knows. We'll give it just another second here. You know that's a youth pastor water bottle, right? R- random stickers all over the place. All right, I'm going to go ahead and just roll. Oh. Yeah, let's hear it. Oh, I didn't mean to dance up here just now. I'm sorry, everybody. Okay, we're just going to roll. You ready? We're going to kind of do a little, little trip down memory lane. A little trip down memory lane uh, for myself, for my time here at Ferguson. For, for me in my life, uh, but I'm going to have some points where I want you to kind of think back to your, your past and, uh, and uh, growing up in your life as well. Um, I mentioned it before, my dad, my dad was a career firefighter up in Washington State, and uh, um, anybody that grew up around or in the fire service, um, it's a really tight-knit community, um, much like the military, much like the police department, um, 
a great tight-knit community, not just between the men and women who serve, but also their spouses, their kids. We grew up around a lot of kids. Um, there were firefighters. There were several Thanksgiving meals at the fire station because dad, it was dad's duty day. Several Christmases at the fire station or Christmas was a day later. Uh, numerous birthdays, which became really cool. Uh, you got to invite some friends over and they got to sit in the fire truck and you were the coolest kid on the block for a little bit. Um, lots of fun times that we had in that community. <clears throat> but along with that community, the, 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 the adults, the, the men and the women of the fire department, they looked out after us, after us kids. And my dad, I know he'd get together and he, we'd invite a bunch of kids over and he'd kind of pop a bear over all of them and just make sure that Things are going well for them. Things are going okay. Checking in on them, seeing how they're doing. I had a lot of that growing up. I, I was definitely blessed in that way. Um, and it's funny now because now that there's uh, Facebook and all these different things, some of those, those firemen that, uh, that meant so much to me as a kid and still mean a ton to me today are on Facebook and we're able to catch up. And I'm you know friends with my dad's friends through Facebook and we're able to share prayer requests and different things going on in our lives. Um, but I had that. I had that with my family, too. My parents, my aunts and uncles, my grandparents. <clears throat> I, had an aunt, I have an Aunt Sandy, uh, who's my godmother. Same thing. Always there for me. Always had my back. Our neighbors, Bev and Deanna, and their kids that we grew up with, um, same thing. Very tight-knit. Uh, had each other's backs. I was looked out for, and uh, um, a lot of times, sometimes I was tough to get away with anything, <laughs> because my mom worked for the school district, so you get in trouble at school, mom's the first one called, and mom understands what the teachers are already going through, which is legit, and what beyond that Doug's putting them through. So, um, but I had that tight-knit community, the tight family and friends, and Family, uh, friends of the family <clears throat> that had my back. I had that throughout my life. Uh, even when I was away uh, from Christianity, when I had stepped away and I was in the Navy and, um, and I hadn't come back to Christ, I had that. And I didn't realize it. I had people that were looking out for me. I talked before about the chief petty officer that potentially saved my life. Um, I've had other people... As, as I think back, and I know you can think back, think through teachers and people that had your back growing up. Maybe it was an uncle. Maybe it was somebody in your church. Um, but then uh, when I started here, here at First Baptist Church of Ferguson, again, you know, uh, I, I talked about this. You know, I was in, in management at AAA and uh, um, became a, a part-time youth pastor. Uh, there was a lot of trials a lot of tough stuff with that. And uh, um, this, the service is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, and I, I, I don't mean for it to be tough in a, in a heartbreaking way. I mean for it to be tough in a way of us each checking ourselves and seeing what more we can do. But I set some chairs down here in front um, this morning. Because when I started here at First Baptist Ferguson, as I'm looking out among the people that are here, so many people that have blessed me in my time 
not just on staff, but before I was on staff, so many of you guys, yeah, just so many of you blessed me in so many ways. And I set these four chairs down here, and I've got one chair um, that represents, uh, the four chairs represent people that meant a lot to me that are no longer here. But the one chair represents my, my grandma and grandpa Wise, my grandpa Inman, my grandma Louise, grandparents that had my back, that wanted me to do the right thing, that didn't want me to make mistakes. And even when I said stupid stuff, <laughs> they were there for me no matter what in so many ways. And once I started here, there were three men uh, that are no longer here. Like I said, there's so many of you that are here still, but there's three men that have passed on that, uh, that helped me in ways unimaginable. When you come on as a, as in ministry, um, there's times where you feel you're alone. And I know if you watch the news and you read any of the Baptist newspapers, you hear about people that quit and people that leave ministry and people, um, all the way to, um, taking their own life. Um, ministry can be tough. You've got your own stuff going on at home and then you got other things that are going on within the church. You're loving up on as many people as you can. You're there for as many people as you can. But ministry can be tough. And these three men, um, Emil Kuba, Harold Hendrick, Cheryl Byington, these three men from day one of me starting on in ministry, those three men were one of the first to shake my hand each Sunday. One of the first to, to check with me every once in a while and, and see how I'm doing. They understood what, what I was a part of. They understood the ministry that I was in. They understood how Satan was going to attack me. And those three men came to me all the time. I got phone calls from them sometimes. I got postcards and other cards from them sometimes. But they were always here to welcome me. And as each one passed on, it was tough. It was tough other than the fact of knowing that... Uh, that God had blessed me with them. And God had blessed so many others with them over time. I know there's men and women that were a part of that. Think back to that. Think back to those men and women that had that impact on your life. Who they were, what they did for you, how they were there for you. I praise God for putting all of these people and all of you guys in my life. They helped me become the man that I am today. Several of them cried with me. Several of them celebrated with me. But they were there for me. They had my back. And they had my back and they, they wanted the best for me. They wanted the best for my wife. I can't look at her again now. <laughs> they wanted the best for my family. They wanted the best for each and every one of us here at First Baptist Ferguson. They wanted the best for each of the youth. They wanted the best for each of the children. And they, they prayed and they prayed for that to happen. They prayed for things to happen within this church. There's those three men and so many more and so many women that are no longer here that would be rejoicing and are rejoicing because of what is coming, what's on the horizon for First Baptist Ferguson. 
the ministry opportunities that are coming. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, and one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for my church family that's here. God, I thank you for my church family that uh, has been called home. God, I, I thank you for my church family that's moved on and they're at other churches and they're continuing on the ministry of First Baptist Ferguson as missionaries in other parts of the country, other parts of the world, and other parts of the St. Louis area. God, I thank you so much for what you, what you do. I just ask, God, that you, you help me uh, with this message, God, that you have put on my heart, this message that uh, you put on my heart to share with my brothers and sisters, uh, a push for ministry in, in a difficult way but in a way that you will be there for God. I thank you for everyone that's had my back over, over my life. I thank you for all of those that have had the back of the people in this room. The fact that they're here means somebody has had their back and somebody has led them towards you. And I'm thankful for that, God. Continue to work in each one of our hearts. And again, be with us as uh, we continue to dive into your word and into the experiences that, that you have put me uh, in here at First Baptist Ferguson. Thank you, God. In your precious and holy name, amen. I talked about all these people from my past, from birth to even just now that have had my back. But um, I couldn't go without saying there's some of my students that are here that don't normally come to First Baptist Ferguson. I asked them and I asked their parents, I said, hey, um, would you mind coming? I'm going to be preaching. I'd love for you to come. We're going to talk about camp a little bit, but I'd love for you guys to come join us. And they have. And I'm so grateful for that. I asked some of my, some of the former students um, of First Baptist Ferguson, of Ferguson youth, um, some of them that, that, have blessed my life and have blessed so many of your lives. I've got my buddy Thomas sitting right over here, Thomas Jones. So many of you know Thomas, right, Tom? Yeah. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. Got my other brother right up here, Duran Rogers. This Donna's son. Love you, brother. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you coming. Getting up. I know it's tough getting up. That's what you tell me every week. But, um, I appreciate you guys being here. That means so much to me, how much you guys have my back as well. And I've loved having your back. And I would love continuing to have your back as your older brother in Christ. We have a lot of memories over the last five years. A lot of memories in the youth group. A lot of awesome things that have happened. Memories in Texas. Helping with Hurricane Harvey cleanup, 
First, a group of 20, 10 adults, 10 students going down there, finding out 88 homes still need help. All right, we got to double this up. Let's go. Without a doubt, you guys all did it. 20 adults, 20 students, second year down to, to Nederland, Texas to go help with Port Arthur's uh, and help with uh, cleanup from Hurricane Harvey. We've had memories in Florida of camp. What started out is me asking a buddy that I used to work with at a camp in Seattle. I said, hey, he works for Lifeway. And I said, what's a good camp that I can take my students to? Something that's going to just blow them away. And he said, oh, man, you got to take them to Panama City Beach, Florida. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> we went down that first year. We haven't gone anywhere else since. And it's not because of the food, as any of you Emily and anybody else who's helped or any of you students have gone. It's not because of the food. But we go out on that beach there at the very beginning of the week. And I point out to the students and I say, look it. Look at how awesome God's creation is. Look at how beautiful this is. And I like the white sandy beaches. It reminds me of snow. But we're in the middle of summer. so. Um, but I like, look at how beautiful this is. This is God's creation. There's seagulls flying. There's birds everywhere. There's people enjoying that the waves are crashing, all of this stuff. Look at how awesome God's creation is. And the next time you look in the mirror, I want you to look at God's creation that same way. Because each and every one of the students and each each and every one of us are God's creation, made perfectly, made beautifully. This year, I kind of threw a little dad joke out. I, uh, I, I, I told the students, I said, you realize the ocean's salty, right? And the, the students were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, you know why that is? It's because the beach doesn't wave back. Now, little dad joke. Josh, Rachel, and Miss Ruth did have to explain it to a few people. But they got to see how amazing God's creation is down in Florida. And the memories here. From when I first started, and, uh, and I know Michael had worked on it for a little while, trying to, trying to get things cleaned up and painted and all that stuff, get the youth room back. So many of you guys put some sweat and time down in that youth room. Worked hard to make it into the beautiful room that it is now. What used to be called the dungeon, sometimes still feels hot like a dungeon, but it's absolutely breathtaking. It's beautiful. It's welcoming. It's something the students can feel proud to come to. The memories we've had down there of games and lots of Little Caesars Pizza, the official pizza of Ferguson Youth. I have to say that each time. Um, And all the different things that we've done down there, all the Bible studies, all the amazing leaders that I've had over the five years. Emily, you had Avery. We've had Miss Lawanda. Um, I know I'm going to miss some people, but I, we had so many amazing people. Uh, Eric, he came and helped. Um, and I had three, three individuals that were pretty much there from day one and stayed all the way through with me in, uh, in Josh and Logan and Katie. And uh, the memories we have with those leaders and our breakout times and and different things that we did is spectacular. I 
I remember back in one of our camping trips, Mr. Hancock came with us. Mr. Hancock came and he shared his testimony with us. And uh, I'll never forget, um, well, lots of fun stuff happened on that trip too. Really cold nights. Uh, the polar bear plunge where me and a couple of students made it to about our waist. And Mr. Hancock's doing a backstroke across the river. Um, but Mr. Hancock, in sharing his testimony, shared about a time when he was asked, do you know where you're going to go when you die? A simple question, but not simple at all. The question hit one of our students that are here today, Thomas, pretty hard. Hit a lot of students. Some of them were asking questions. But Thomas, uh, he accepted Christ in his heart that day to be baptized later. Because he wanted to be able to answer that question of knowing where he's going to go when he dies. And Mr. Hancock, I've stolen that, that, that phrase several times. I've credited you each time, even this last week at camp. But it's a great reminder, whether you are a young child or an adult, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Do you know... what God has in store for you when it's that time. Every morning that I wake up, I thank God for another day for battle and another day to serve him. I can't give up the fight. Those before me did not, and I will not. And over the last couple years, We've lost some people in the church. And we talked about this at camp and, and, and the difficulty of it and how important that question is of knowing where you're going to be uh, when, you, when you die. But we... <laughs> All the awesome memories that we've had here at First Baptist Ferguson that I've had here with these students and with you guys. Getting the phone call from a family that their daughter had passed away. And can you come by? And spending that time with that family. Seeing their hurt. Just crying, just crying and loving up on them. So shortly after that, getting a phone call from Miss Lawanda and Thomas about my buddy Willie. You guys remember Willie? I know you remember Willie. <laughs> it's hard to forget Willie. But Willie, getting a phone call that he'd get in a car accident. And he probably wasn't going to make it. To find out later, he wasn't. It was his time to go home as well. to the most recent of the students. A young lady that so many of you guys know that grew up in this church with her mom and her brother, came to youth group, was at every activity, came to the mission trips, went to camps. A young lady named Shalia. I had gotten a call from Shalia a couple weeks beforehand, and I shared this at, at the funeral, but I, I got a call from Shalia a couple 
uh, I guess it was a couple months before um, what happened. And she said, Mr. Doug, you're not going to be happy with me. You're not going to want to ever talk to me again. And I said, Shalia, why is that? And she said, because I'm pregnant. And I said, Shalia, I said, I'm here for you more than I ever have been. God's here for you more than you, you've ever even thought. You need God more now than you've ever needed him before. Our church family and I have got your back. And God's got your back through this. I was down at swim practice when I got the call from another youth family and said, did you see the news? And I said, no. Shalia was hit while on her bicycle by a car and passed away. Got in touch with the family, confirmed it was true. Found out the baby was, was dead as well. That funeral, guys, I thought I had cried every tear that was in my body going into it when I saw Shalia laying there with her baby in her arms. Crushed me. Crushed me. But this is what I know about all three of those, the four of those individuals. All four of those individuals knew Jesus. All four of those individuals had Jesus in their heart. And all four of those individuals, although I don't make the final call, obviously, in my mind and in my heart are with Jesus because of the decision that they made, because of things that they knew and, and what and asking for forgiveness and, and doing what, what's, ta- what's needed to, to, to live their life for Christ. <clears throat> I'll never forget those phone calls. I'll never forget the long drives to each of the homes, praying with God for presence and the, the words, the tears shed and shared with family and friends of those that passed on. But again, knowing that they had accepted Christ. Gave me the drive to continue on. I also met a a man, a pastor from Illinois, who uh, had gone through some similar situations. And and again, this was God. We had a mutual friend, knew what, what I was going through, what was on my heart and how heavy it was hitting me. And... The ideas of, of getting out of ministry and maybe I'm not doing this right. Maybe I, I can't do this. Maybe I need to just walk up to each of the students and know Jesus now. Pop, pop, pop. You know, all these mind things that were going through my head and all these ways that Satan was telling me I wasn't enough. God put this, this, this pastor from Illinois into my life that helped walk me through that. And then again in this week at camp, camp uh, Pastor Jared, which I'll talk about here in a second. He talked about having things bottled up and being able to talk about it and use our testimony for ministry to continue God's love and God's push for what what needs to be done. This past week, there were students, group leaders, camp staff that loved up on our students and us leaders. Some uh, friendships were formed 
and prayer for each other happened a lot. There were some amazing memories made at camp and even some amazing memories for a few of us at a local state park. (laughs) God was there this week. God was there in our hearts, in our minds, in the worship time, in the Bible studies. God was there all week. After we had successfully gotten 20 people or 20 different people's luggage from baggage claim, praise God, they, all of our bags made it back to St. Louis. We're standing there at baggage claim. And I told the students, I said, listen, I said, we just had a week with a lot of Jesus and a lot of sunshine. We had a week where Jesus was all over at all times in everything that we did. We're home now. We are back in the battlefield. And this is what I told the students. I said, we're about to be on our own again. We're going in our different directions. And Satan's going to attack you. Satan's going to come after you because of what you heard this week. What we've talked about in our church group time, what Pastor Jared's talked about, what the worship team did, what you learned in your Bible studies, all that stuff has made Satan furious as to how much you learned and you grew this week. So be ready and beware. Because he's coming for you. Satan is coming for you as soon as he has you apart. But this is what I want the students to know. And this is where it's important as us, as a church family as well. Because it's not just the students. Here we are in church. If I've got something going on, I know I can go to any of you in here and tell you what's going on in my heart. Where I'm struggling with. What's going on. Where, where Satan's attacking me. I know I can do that within this building. But the moment I walk out of this building, Satan's going to try and attack me again. Satan's furious that I'm up here talking right now. As a a former football player and a Navy guy, I kind of like making Satan mad. I talk to the students all the time about poking at him. Let's go. I'm on God's team. I'm a warrior for Jesus. Let's go. But Satan's going to attack us as we leave here. And the reaction for even us as adults, but especially for students and for young kids, when they're getting attacked, is to curl up, keep to themselves, not let the emotion out, not let people know what's going on. We do it as adults too. I can't let them know that this is going on in my life. If I let them know this is going on in my life, can you imagine the gossip train for that? Or if I let them know this, they're going to think I'm not that good of a person. But with the youth and the children, it happens so much. That's their defense mechanism, is to curl up and bottle it up. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm going to read that again. Proverbs 22, 6. 
Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So many people that I know, myself included, they grew up in a church, had a church family, had people that loved them and swayed away after high school. For me, it was the Navy. For some, it's college. For others, it's trade school. For others, it's a workforce. Whatever it is, again, just like we talked about a baggage claim, as soon as you are away from your parents, Satan is attacking you. He attacks us all, but I'm telling you, when you get to the military and you've got these people saying, legitimately telling me, hey, how old are you? You're 18? Oh, if you're old enough to fight for the country, you're old enough for a beer. Here you go, son. God bless you. Is there handing me a beer? You get to college, you've got people that are attacking you in all different directions. You've got groups that are attacking you. You've got um, some professors that are attacking you. That defense mechanism, whether you're in the military, trade school, college, or the workforce, is the bottle up. I can't let mom and dad know I can't do this. I can't let mom and dad know that I'm struggling with this. I can't let mom and dad know that this is happening because they're not going to trust me. They're going to make me come home. I don't want to go home. I'm out of the house. Train them up in the way they should go. Even when they're old, they will not depart from it. Praise God that I had people come back into my life. There were people in my life still, but at the point that I recognized it and knew that I needed to come back to Christ, that brought me back. I said... Think about your testimony. Think about where you are now in your walk with Jesus. Or if you've not accepted Jesus yet. Think about the things you've been through and where God has brought you to. My buddy, uh, Jared Richard, who was a, uh, he's a senior pastor in North Carolina. He was our camp pastor again. He was our camp pastor in 20. 19 as well at, uh, at youth camp. But at camp he said, God loves using broken people to share their story to show his level of forgiveness. Amen. Again, God loves using broken people to share their story to show his level of forgiveness. Guys, it doesn't matter what we've been through. It doesn't matter what we're going through now. God needs us. He needs us to continue the battle. God's going to use us to continue the battle. No matter where we're at. Whether we're here at First Baptist Ferguson or some of our family that's left to other parts of the St. Louis area. 
for some of our church family that have become missionaries and moved to other parts of the country and other parts of the world. God is going to use us. And this is where it's critical. Your testimony is your story. It's how you grew up. It's how you were raised. It's how you came to know Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life since. And one thing I've shared with the students since I've been here, I've gotten to know a lot of you guys over time. I know some deep stuff about some of you guys, some prayer requests you've had and different things. And some of you I've come to and I've said, hey, I got a student that's going through something similar. Would you mind talking to them? And you've been amazing through that. Down in Texas, it happened a lot. The interaction between the adults and the students. Your testimony is powerful and God will use your testimony and what he's put you through to bless the future generations. I say this to you because next week is my last Sunday here at First Baptist Ferguson. Next week on Father's Day. It's the last Sunday that I'm serving here at First Baptist Ferguson. And I've got the baton that was handed off to me by Mike, Michael, okay? That baton is not getting dropped. I promise you that. The baton has gone through some wear and tear. The baton's dinged up on the corners a little bit. It's got some dirt on it, a little bit of the white sand, so it's got a little look of snow on it, you know. There I go with the snow reference again. It's got plenty of stickers on it. That baton is going to go to another leader of the youth. Church family, this is what I ask of you. Be in prayer. I know the prayer we went through for a senior pastor, and God blessed us big. He blessed First Baptist Ferguson and the Ferguson community big. Be in prayer. Even if your kids aren't in the youth, be in prayer for that next person that God has planned to be the youth pastor here. Be in prayer for somebody that's open. One thing that a lot of youth pastors trip on is is the idea of we can't get together with other youth groups, we can't get together with other youth pastors because they might steal my my youth. In North County, we've knocked down that. Myself, Hazelwood Baptist, Fifi Baptist, there's several of us that get together as often as possible with our students. And we, we do activities. Or us as youth pastors meet and we collaborate and we talk and we pray about things going on in each other's lives. Be in prayer for, for somebody to come in that's ready because it's going to be messy. It's not just messy in Ferguson. It's messy across this, this country and across the world. As we were at camp this week, We had a group leader time where each of us group leaders got to to share some things that were on our heart and some things that are going on in ministry. And what you think is just, or what you you, you may may think is only happening here in Ferguson, it's not. It's across this country and across the world. 
These students are getting attacked by Satan heavily. But they're not just getting attacked by Satan. They're getting attacked in their churches as well. As a millennial or somebody that doesn't know or not as good as my generation or all the different things that each of us may have said or may have thought at one point. As well as praying for the next youth pastor, this is my other request to you. Over time, (laughs) I've kept them. I've got a drawer in my desk of cards and notes and all kinds of encouragement that you all have given me. Notes and cards from students. Keep it up, please. The next youth pastor that comes in here needs it. Satan's going to be attacking them in ways that you won't even know. They're going to need you to have their back. They're going to need not just the church staff, not just the elders. They're going to need First Baptist Ferguson to have their back and to be there for them and to lift them up. It's tough. Ministry's tough. Ministry's messy. But I still say it and I will always say it. It's my dream job. I'm so thankful to God for the opportunity to serve, for the opportunity to to have an impact on the next generation. Those young men and young women, they're the future of our church, the future of our city, the future of our state, the future of our country, the future of this world. As I've seen students go off to college and I've seen students go off to the military and I've got two more students that are getting ready to go to the military from this graduating class, former students and possibly one current student. I'm going to be there for them forever. Forever. You youth that are here right now, I am here for you. I am always here for you. Those who have graduated, same thing. I'm praying for your next youth pastor as well. But just like I've said to the adults and I say to you guys all the time, you students, you can't have too many people on your team. You can't have too many people that have your back. <laughs> Second Corinthians two fourteen through seventeen says, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many peddlers, so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. That's got to be each and every one of us. We are all here for a purpose. Each of you are here for a reason. And I am so thankful to God that our paths have crossed. It's not over. It's not a goodbye. I'm still close. We're still one team for one kingdom. 
And I said when I came up here and I made the announcement, and I mean it, you gave a guy a shot to get back in ministry. I will never forget that. And I will always have First Baptist Ferguson's back and be praying for you all. In just a moment, uh, we're going to have some some elders come to the front. If you can't answer that Steve Hancock question of do you know where you're going to be when you die, we'd love for you to come up and talk to the elders, talk to me afterwards, talk to any of the staff. In just a second, we've got a, a song that's playing. The first time I preached here, November 15th, I was told I'll never forget this date, and I haven't yet. We'll see, okay? But November 15th, 2020 was the first time that I was given the blessing of being able to, to preach God's word um, here in what in the youth world we call big church, okay? And I was scared to death because I had told Pastor Joe that I didn't want to preach and that I was the best youth pastor candidate possible because I didn't want his job. Some youth pastors, they want to move into the senior pastor position. And Pastor Joe was like, yeah, you don't have to worry about preaching. Well, then Pastor Joe leaves. Pastor Dan didn't get the memo. But anyway, I'm thankful that God has, has, has allowed me to grow and has allowed me to have this opportunity with such a loving family that has been here for me. But if, on November 15th, 2020, my first sermon, I, uh, I asked Ryan Kernut. You may remember Ryan, our, our former uh, worship pastor. I said, hey, Ryan, I said, uh, I said, you take requests of those that are preaching? And he said, he goes, sure. He goes, what do you got, Doug? I said, I'd like a song, and I can't remember the name of it. But I think it goes something like, build your kingdom here. And he said, yeah, it's called build your kingdom here. I said, yes, that's it. When I came out of that interim time, again, where you guys helped me so much as an interim pastor and you were there for me in support and prayers and love. When I came out of that and I came down to the youth room that first Wednesday, I went to know the Rhodes crew had it ready to play. They said, Doug, we got a song for you. Make sure you're out here. Sometimes I'd wander and stuff when I get in the youth room. But they're like, make sure you're out here. The Rhodes crew... Logan and Katie, who are youth workers, um, played Build Your Kingdom here. And so I asked for a special request today that the Rhodes crew and our amazing worship team would play that song for me one more time. So I'm going to pray, and then I want everyone to stand up. I know we're traditionally not allowed to dance out here. But I want, I want some movement. I want some excitement because this song is powerful about building your kingdom here, right here in Ferguson. God, we are ready for that. First Baptist Ferguson is ready for that. And I hope the community is ready because it's going to be roaring here soon. God, I just thank you so much for each of my brothers and sisters that are here. I thank you for those that are joining online. I know I've got a lot of family back home that are, that are watching as well. God, I thank you. I thank you for the staff that I've worked with. I thank you for 
the, the leadership throughout the church. I thank you for each of my brothers and sisters. I thank you for the youth. I thank you for the children that I've had so much fun with at children's camp and all the different things that I've been blessed to be able to do since getting back into ministry here at Ferguson. But God, the battle goes on. The war is still going on. And this church is ready. I know they're fired up. God, you have built a team out here of testimonies that can battle just about anything somebody can come up with. Anything that anybody's going through, this church family can be there for that person. So God, I ask that you build your kingdom here. God, I ask that you allow these doors to to open in a way that hasn't been seen for a long time. I ask you, North American Mission Board and the Send Relief Center, that you use this facility in a way that glorifies you, that you work in each and every person that comes in and out of this facility and let them know how much you love them and how much this church loves them. You're an amazing God, and I thank you for that. I ask all this in your precious and holy name.